Chapter Fourteen of A Winter of Content by Laura Lee Davidson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Appropriately enough, on this first day of the calendar, spring, I am warned that the ice is unsafe and that I must stay on the island until the lake is open water. The natives still venture out, but they know the look of the thin spots, and even they are very cautious. Two men started over from the mainland this morning, axes on shoulders hounds at heel but they turned back at the shore and the dogs after stepping daintily on the dark spongy crust turned back also the middle of the lake is still hard but there are ditches of water round the edges of the land the ice is heaved up into long fissures stretching away from the points the clear green water showing between their open sides and from this island to the blake's point there is a great crevasse mary declares that she has known henry to start off in a sleigh over the lake when the ice was only three inches thick, when he had to drive fast to keep from breaking in, and when the water spurted up from the holes made by the horse's hoofs. But Henry was going for the mail, and when he has been deprived of news for two or three weeks, the papers become things to risk one's life for, which is proof that Henry will never be a true many islander. The rest of us are quite willing to wait until spring, if need be. So I am denned in once more and before i am free all sorts of things will have to happen there will be hundreds of little new calves and lambs lying beside their mothers in the meadows and scores of thin-legged colts running beside the mares in the pastures i shall also be shut in when the sap buckets hang in the sugar bush and the great black kettles steam over the fires in the dooryards and i can only hope that some of my friends will remember to put my name in the pot and to save me some syrup and some maple sugar forced to take my exercise on the island i find new things everywhere as i tramp round and round the trails the snow under the evergreens is covered with last year's dry needles the hemlocks pines and cedars are putting on their new bright green fringes under the rotting leaves innumerable little plants are pushing up princess fern wild strawberry canadian mayflower and countless other small weeds and herbs whose names i do not know when the leaves and needles are raked away each stalk is seen standing in a tiny pool of clear ice the spring peepers are whistling in the lowlands the hylodes blows his little bagpipe away in the wood the grouse is beating his throbbing drum no other description fits that thrilling sound and first honeybees are buzzing out from a clump of birches and winging away over the lake underneath all the other spring sounds is the measured tonk tonk of the air escaping through the holes in the ice and the thin silver sound of trickling streams the red-headed woodpecker is here his crown a spot of splendid crimson against the snow Kurok, Kurok, he cries as he darts from tree to tree his white tail coverts flashing in the sunlight there has been a deer on the island through my dreams one night i heard sounds of a great commotion the cries of dogs the crashing of animals through the underbrush in the morning not ten paces from the kitchen door the snow was all trampled soiled and covered with bunches of long brown hair evidently the place was the scene of the poor animal's agony for those hairs were soaked with blood i grieved for i like to think that the island was a place of refuge for all hunted things at least for this one year but if the dogs had dragged down the deer and killed him what had become of the carcass i wondered they could not have eaten it so clean that no trace of skin or bones remained 
i pondered this as i followed the dear small shapely hoof-prints from the shore and up the hill and through the bushes all hung with bunches of tell-tale brown hair i traced the dog's tracks also as they crossed and recrossed the trail and following them came to an old mica pit hidden far back among the cedars a gash in the hillside ten or twelve feet deep and four or five yards long ringed round with bushes and with a young birch growing in its depths indeed i fell headlong into that hidden pitfall and had time to hope as i went down scrambling over the edge and clutching at branches that i was not going to land full on a wounded deer all tracks stopped at this pit and a mystery remained a mystery until late in the spring when it leaked out that andy and george drapeau had heard the cries of the hounds had watched their chance had come over and dragged off the dogs and skinned and carried away the deer now the season for hunting deer lasts from november first to november fifteenth only one deer may be shot by each hunter no hounds may be allowed to run at large during the closed season and any dog found running a deer may be shot on sight and the person shooting this dog may not be prosecuted thus the month of march is not the time for a fresh venison venison out of season is mountain goat to be eaten privately and without boastfulness nor is it safe to display a deer's spring coat but if the drapeaux had left me that hide would i have informed on their dogs i wonder my own stupidity robbed me of the only other deerskin rug that i might have had little john bolock offered me a beautiful and seasonable one which i bought and sent to the squaw at maskinong for tanning some weeks later i mentioned my good fortune to william forehead are you having the hair left on he asked hair left on i echoed of course i never heard of having the hair taken off i want the skin for a rug well you'd ought to have said so said william mostly they tans them for leather around here they make fine moccasins and mittens sure enough the indian woman had patiently scraped off all the hair and i received a superfine piece of buckskin which was presented to little john i having no use in the world for moccasins or mittens when i should return to the city the drapeaux live on a long peninsula to the west of this island and half a mile away from this dock i see their barns in silhouette against the sunsets their land rises in fold on fold of meadow with here and there a clump of cedars or maples then a soft slope and slanting cornfield their house is the typical canadian log shack the building about sixteen by twenty feet divided by a board partition into a kitchen and a tiny bedroom the trap-door opens into the cellar a ladder leads up to the loft where the boys sleep there is a shed built at right angles to the south wall and here mrs drapeau keeps her wash-tub churn and milk separator the place is always crowded with lounging men the dogs are everywhere underfoot and the air is thick with the smoke from many old pipes herring nets hang from the rafters harness on the walls drying skins are stretched across the uprights in the muskrat season dozens of furry brown rats are nailed by their tails to the outside walls and inside the house great pails of bloody water piles of raw skins and heaps of rats fill the small room the drapeaux believe in the division of labor and the work of the family seems portioned out in a thoroughly satisfactory way andy the eldest son is the farmer louis the hunter and george the fisherman mrs drapeau though not an old woman goes back to the early days of the settlement and knows all the hardships of pioneer life i mind the time she says when this land was all wilderness 
when the bears and the wildcats come up to the very door once i seen four bears start over across the lake from blake's point to your island they swum across the narrows the old he-bear in the lead the biggest of the young next then the little cub and the mother behind me and the boys was in the boat we had been a bearing and when the boys seen them bear they went wild they rowed up along the island after them but they couldn't go fast enough with me in the boat so they landed me and rowed along to head off the deer and blessed if they didn't turn em right back along the shore to where i was sitting i was right in their tracks you come back here and get me i yelled and don't you do another trick like that again the longest day you live there was a hollering and the boys a laughing and the bear a coming why i might have been killed what became of them i asked the bears oh they got away what with me a screeching and the boys a shooting they were so scared they climbed off the far side of the island and the last we saw of them was they was over to henderson bay their heads just out of the water mrs drapeau tells of the day when she and her husband came over to their farm in a little flat-bottomed punt a calf the beginning of their herd tied foot to foot and bellowing in the stern it was a hard fight to clear the land and bring it to some sort of cultivation and in a few years drapeau was killed in a lumber camp leaving her with four children to feed she describes the long winter nights when she spun carded and wove the cloth that kept their shivering little bodies covered against the bitter cold of the back-breaking days in the fields when she hoed the potatoes and planted the corn that there might be food for the hungry mouths and of the long months when she worked at the miners boarding-house cooking and washing for a score of men i never could have done it if it hadn't been for my neighbors she said they was awful good to me the men cut my wood every winter as has come and catched me my fish until the boys was big enough to work ah but i did have the hardest time the year my man died scarce was he laid in the ground when the two biggest boys come back from school at loon lake with the smallpox george and andy had it and they had it fearful bad i thought sure the other two would have it too the health doctor come up all the way from queensport and nailed a notice on my door telling the neighbors to keep away and he forbid me to cross the lake on fifty dollars fine so there i was the ice just breaking and me shut in with my children that was a dying as you might say i didn't want to go to no one's house nor to have them come to mine but i had little or nothing to eat on the place and i feared lest my children should starve but i'd done the best i could and one day when the ice was all broke i heard bill shelley the frogger passing in a boat i hollered to him the fix i was in and told him to fetch me some goods from the store and to tell my father how we was shut in bill brung me the goods and we got along some way and when all was over and the boys was well here comes robinson the health doctor to ask how we was all getting along he stood off twenty paces from the door with his white handkerchief to his face i was minded to set the dogs on him why don't you come in i says all safe now you needn't to be afraid you shut me in here with my dying children and not you nor no one else come anear me not even to the shore das did i have so much as a hundred of flour to keep us alive how did you know we wasn't all starved together get you off this land i says for you haven't got the grace of god in your heart he got off and i ain't seen him since but i ain't never forgot him all this she tells me sitting before the fire her gray woolen petticoat turned back over her knees a black three-cornered shawl laid over her head and pinned firmly under her pointed chin she was a beauty once she is a pretty old woman still with her flashing black eyes and silver hair even now at sixty-odd she milks seven cows 
makes all the butter and cheese cares for the hens the turkeys and the pigs works a small garden cooks for the boys nurses them when they fall ill and finds time to make wonderful patchwork quilts mrs drapeau can tell the names of all the quilt patterns known to canada i love these patchwork quilts they speak of thrift and industry and patience and of the leisure of a life in which small bits of cloth are of more valuable than the time it takes to stitch them together who in the cities has time nowadays to sit and make a patchwork quilt they bring up pictures bedfuls of little children sleeping snug and warm under mother's handiwork and of contented women sewing in the firelight their names are poetry woman's poetry the log cabin stands for home the churn dasher is food the maple leaf means canada the road to dublin and the irish chain speak of the homesick irish heart but i like to imagine that the prairie rose was named by some happy woman who loved the wide and blossoming fields of this new land End of chapter fourteen